Hello and welcome to this Tuesday's live edition of Speaking About Speaking. And as you will see from the other window, I actually do have Van der Varga with me today. Yay! <laughs> and I do have to apologise, Vanda, for, for giving you a, a slight heart attack at two minutes to four last Tuesday when I was uh, messaging you saying, did you get the link? And then when, when you messaged back and said, no, I think it's the 18th, I suddenly went, I did get the link. <laughs> yes. I did get the link. It's just uh, not for today. <laughs> so, yes, there was, there was a, a bit of a... Um, a bit of a, a shock going on on both sides there but totally my fault so absolutely apologize absolutely apologize and so lovely to have you here today thank you for having me so those of you that are out there listening watching and uh, would like to know a little bit more about vanda vanda as you can see is a tour guide to your mind vanda is uh, is somebody who will help you explore uncover and remap your map of the world. So Vanda, explain a little bit about that. What is it that you do to remap people's maps of the world? <laughs> so what I do is basically I, I help people to understand what is going on in there, what is going on in their heads and in their hearts. So how do we think? How do we feel? How do we behave? How do we experience the world altogether? And sometimes the way how we think, feel and experience is absolutely amazing and nothing is wrong with it and it takes us to where we want to be. And sometimes it's a bit all tangled up. It's a bit, um, it's becoming a bit limiting. It's something that's not serving us the way how we think or the emotions or the feelings that we have are a little bit too excessive. And this is where I come in and this is where I help people understand what is actually going on in there. Give them the awareness that something is not quite right. Give, give you the insight of how your brain, your mind works and how it manifests itself. So most probably you come to me with symptoms and I help you find out what the underlying cause is. And once we find that, I'm going to provide you with different tools so you can remap that map of the world. So how you see the world, how you see others, how you see yourself. Oh, okay. We've just, uh, I've had a message from Simon Raybold is oh, hello. listening. So hello, it says hi to us both. Um, so Vanda, is that, is that purely NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming that you use uh, to, to help people? Is it just no. the tools and techniques that, that uh, you've passed on to me as I am now an NLP practitioner, thanks to you? you. You are indeed. So, yeah. No, it isn't. Yes, I am an NLP trainer, a master practitioner, and my preferred ways of, of, of working with people is using NLP and different techniques in that tool bag. I, I also use a lot of um, other other ways of helping people. So I'm a hypnotherapist as well. I do have coaching qualifications. I use EFT tapping. I use all my neural rehabilitation backgrounds, so everything to do with the brain and neuroplasticity. Uh, so your brain's ability to rewire itself, if it, can, if it can rewire itself, why wouldn't we do it intentionally? There are many different tools to use there. Um, I also am a silver method mind control practitioner and have been for 30 years. So yes, loads of different tools <laughs> out there. And what I love about this is that I've got this huge tool bag. You come to me, you tell me what your issue is. And then I tell you that's great. It's just not the problem. We will find the underlying cause, so the actual problem. And then I can reach down into the big tool bag and bring out the tool that is the right one for you and for your map of the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so powerful. It really is because I say I I went through recently the the course with you and there are so many tools and techniques and it's still quite, not shocking, but it's it's quite unbelievable how powerful they are and how how simple the techniques are that but they just get to that part of the brain and they just kind of rewire and remap as you say what it is that you're you're thinking and feeling before we get on though to to how nlp and what you do and what we do can help and you know the reason i obviously did that course with you was because as a as a speaker coach i often come across people that are have anxiety around standing in front of an audience, standing as just speaking to anybody, you know, creating content, all of those things. So that's the reason that I wanted to to become an NLP practitioner because of those tools and techniques that can help. But before we get onto that, I am really interested, and I don't know if there's anybody else out there as interested in me in this kind of the the silver method, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'll let you explain a little bit about what that is, but it just really interested me that you were taught the silver method as a child and how that shaped your map of the world. Mm -hmm. So if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about what that, what the silver method is and Mm -hmm. then how, how it was growing up you know, in, in, within it, if yeah. that makes sense. Absolutely. This, this is something, something absolutely amazing. It's something I didn't know was linked to NLP, but now that I am an NLP trainer, I absolutely understand how many silver method techniques have been brought into, into NLP. So silver method is all about learning how to control your own mind, how to have more of a positive outlook on life, how to see, how to find the good things in life, because we know things are happening to us and not everything is going to be good. But it's about how you can harness your own mind, your own brain in a way that suits you best, that will serve you best. And when I was, I think, around eight, and I may be wrong here, between eight and ten somewhere, I had the greatest gift that my parents could ever have given me. And that was a a children's course of silver method mind control. Uh, It came about because uh, my my parents actually went on the adult course and they took my sister with them as well. So they all became silver practitioners as as adults. And then they thought that, oh, this would be really, really good for the twins. (laughs) That's my brother and myself. And and for us to, to learn how to learn to learn how to use our mind, to learn how to get rid of anxiety, to learn how to have a healthy self-esteem, how to understand our self-worth, our self-belief, our confidence. So they took us to this course and and I'm pretty sure becoming a silver method practitioner that early in, in our life has given us an amazing fall in life, an advantage in life, because we just had this mindset of, yes, we can. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what we are going through. We can make the most of it. It may not be the way how we planned it, but we are all three of us, my sister, my brother and myself, we are all very in tune with our subconscious mind. We may not have called it that back in the days. Uh, now I know what it what, what is actually happening. But we, we've always been very, very in tune with our gut feeling, with our intuition, uh, listening in and listening to ourselves, understanding what is good for us and what isn't. Now, it doesn't mean that we always made the right decisions. Of course, we didn't. (laughs) And I can talk to myself. Definitely, I did not uh, make the right decisions all the time. But it's it's about understanding that, um, that whether you act upon what you are feeling, 
is a different question, but what you are feeling will always be right. And it's just being in tune with that. Does that make sense? Does that help? Yeah, I, I just wonder for, for people out there that don't know anything, obviously I've, I have read a little bit about it. When you say mind control, I can imagine somebody listening to this and knows nothing kind of yes. imagines, you know, spying and mm. something no, quite it's... subversive and quite sinister. But so tell us a little bit about the, what is the mind control? How, how can you control the mind, whether so that's yours yes. or somebody else's? It's not somebody else, it's always yours. It's about self-mind control. And thank you, Jackie, for bringing that up because that is a big misconception about silver method and a part, uh, about hypnotherapy and NLP as well, is that we try to control somebody else's mind. Well, you simply can't because your mind is your mind and your subconscious mind is there to serve you, to protect you, to preserve your body, your mind and your soul. And your subconscious mind will not allow you to do anything or allow anybody else to do anything to you that you are not ready for at a subconscious or a conscious level. So mind control is very much about self-mind control or the silver method at least is. And it's about being aware of the words that you are using with yourself. It's about being aware of what sort of instructions you are giving to yourself, to your subconscious mind, because our body is there to listen. Our body, our cells, all our atoms are, are eavesdropping in everything that we say to ourselves, And it doesn't necessarily start at, at a verbal level when you say it out loud, it starts at thought level because your belief system will be created based on the way how you talk to yourself and the way how you talk to yourself will be based on how you how your belief system is is it empowering or is it limiting you is it helping you where you want to be or is it stopping you hindering you from getting there and that awareness on its own, when they give this awareness to children, that you, the words that you use with yourself have will have power over you, is on its own extremely powerful. Because once you take control of the words that you use, you're brilliant. Yeah. You have is, everything. It, is it that simple? Is it that simple? Is it the way? I mean, it, what is a simple way? And I'm just going to say hello to Richard here on uh, the Hironator is out there. Hiron, uh, excuse what me, Richard Hiron. <laughs> <laughs> what a, an amazing tool bag you have, yeah. uh, Vanda. And uh, he's saying he's, he's, let me just put this here. He's been watching the Ipcris files recently. And thanks for highlighting the self-control point. Yeah. So what is a... What is a sort of a simple method that that people out there can can try to to access their subconscious and maybe start talking to themselves in a in a more positive way? There are so many, Jackie. <laughs> there are so many different ones. In, if we stick with this, uh, the language part of it all, and the words that we use with ourselves, I think that's that's the easiest one for us to notice. Do you ever talk to yourself, even jokingly, in a negative way? Do you ever tell yourself, oh, that was so stupid, you are so stupid. How could you be such a monkey? How could you do this? Or who do you think you are? Why do you think you can do this? And these sort of things. Is these inner chatters, it's called negative self-talk, will have sometimes a detrimental impact in, in how you, who you grew up to be, who you become. Because your subconscious will listen. It will not understand sarcasm. It will not understand jokes. It's quite childlike and it will take everything at face value. So when you say that, oh, you are so stupid, 
even though you meant it as a joke, it will make sure that your body, uh, your physiological state, your emotional state and everything else, even your health, will, will mirror the words that you're using. Yeah. So I think the best way to start communicating with your subconscious mind in a way that's actually helping you is to choose the words that you want to hear. I mean, you wouldn't tell your, your 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 best friend how stupid you are. I mean, seriously, maybe, jokingly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. But sometimes we wouldn't talk to our best friend or we wouldn't talk to our children the way how we talk to ourselves. And I understand that many people think, that, oh, it's just, it's just a joke. I didn't mean it. I'm just being sarcastic. But just understanding that our subconscious cannot distinguish between jokes and real, that I think is so powerful on its own. Yeah. So there is a great silver method technique that I learned as I was, a, you know, as a child, is that every time you say something like that, oh, I'm so stupid, or how could I be so stupid, which we will, you know, sometimes it slips out. Let's be honest. Then what you want to what what you want to do is you want to cancel it. So you tell yourself, cancel, cancel, twice. We don't leave any residue there. We get rid of it all. You say cancel, cancel, and then reframe it. Well, that wasn't the best decision that I've ever made, but I learned from it. Let's move on. Let's see what, what how I can utilize it. Yeah. yeah. So every time you say something, saying, oh, this, this public speaking event, whatever that will be, is... It's just not going to go the way how I want it. What if everybody laughs at me? And what if, I don't know, I, I, I burst into tears on the stage or whatever that would be? You stop yourself and you say, cancel, cancel. Gone. And start asking what if positive questions. So what if everybody loves it? What if everybody uh, smiles as I talk to them? What if I inspire people? I wonder how many people I could inspire. What if everybody stands up and gives me a standing ovation and clapping and everybody's happy with whatever I've delivered to them? Yeah. So you give different instructions to your subconscious mind. So your emotional and your physical state will match that. Yeah. Yeah. The whole reframing. Uh, part of the NLP that training that we did um, is really a big part for me in anything we're doing. Um, I've got a question here from James Bonato. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, James. He was, uh, he's got a, on the subject of narcissism. Um, it is said that there's no therapy or meds, no tools to address this terrible condition. Do you have any insight on this sad prognosis? And I've, I mean, obviously narcissism is something that, that sort of it, we've heard quite a lot about recently. Um, is there anything that you can you can do to help yourself? There are many many different things. It's it's not something I would necessarily want to go into um, no. this occasion. I have worked with many people who had narcissistic traits, not necessarily had the diagnosis of being a narcissistic person. I was married to one, and I have have many men and women. So both of them who came out of narcissistic relationships, um, well, relationships with a narcissistic partner, um, having experienced myself and having gone through it myself, being on the receiving end, I, I'm able to help those people more than the people who actually have the personality traits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is, it's quite a, a deep question to, to go very, into very in, deep in, question. This, in this sort yeah. of space, but thank you, James. Thank you for that. Um, I mean, it, it, getting on a stage 
one would think you need to have a certain amount of narcissism or, or certainly, you know, people sort of think, oh, well, if I, if I'm going to get on a stage, I need to be a show off. I need to, you know, put myself out there and, and think that I'm all that. And actually that's, that can't be further from, from the truth in my experience, because a lot of people that have something really important to say, it's about the audience. It's not about them. Right. Yeah. So how do you, how do you work with people around, um, you know, those whether they're introverts, and I had this conversation with, um, I think it was Anna Bravington a couple of weeks back about being an introvert and and speaking, mm-hmm. and how how do you do that? How how do you get over that that kind of um, anxiety around speaking, especially when you know you've got something that's re- of real value and and important for to share with an audience. Yeah. So I think what is really important about any kind of public speaking or connection making altogether, because public speaking, when you deliver a speech, it's about making a connection with your audience, isn't it? What what I find is that there are three points which are really, really important for us to to consider. One of them will be your intention. So what would you like to have with this presentation, with this speech that you are delivering, whatever that will be? So what is your outcome? What would you like to have happen? Then we need to think about our attention and where we bring it is bring bring our attention to. So if my intention is to deliver something to to the people to my audience, then my attention can't really be on myself, can it? I would need to bring my attention to the other people who are there and what is it that I'm giving them. And with this, with this combination of 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 having a, a great intention. Uh, and a belief in what I'm delivering actually has value and have a different kind of attention that's not all on me, 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 but it's on the audience. With this combination, it all becomes so much easier to manage our internal state, doesn't it? See, that internal state that I'm talking about is something that Anapri can help you with and Jackie, you will know from first-hand experience that it's, um, it's about... Finding your excellence, your inner excellence, that feeling of you are being in your very best. Now, that comes with a physiology of excellence as well as the psychology of excellence. So we that's, that's the action part of the three points is to make sure that you are in your physiology, your state of excellence, physiologically as well as emotionally. And Oh, there are many different ways of going into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how deeply you want to go into that. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's something as simple as sort of the circle of excellence is, is, a, right. is a, you know, is a fantastic way of, uh, of kind of putting yourself in a space. And, and like you were, you were expressing, and I suppose this, this is quite similar to uh, an exercise that I've done for years in, in, a, in my drama classes, you know, when I'm, I'm improvising or we're, we're looking at characters and characterization is to get people to the point of, of being excited. And that's something that physiologically, you know, physiologically, I can't even say it, physiologically, <laughs> you can do for yourself. You know, you can, I, I do on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 is, you know, you've won the lottery. You're extremely excited about something. Five is kind of where we sit normally. One is really quite miserable. Everything's going quite badly. And if you, if you give people the opportunity to go up to a 10 or down to a one, they can feel it. They can feel how that feels. And that really, for me, is a way of getting people to understand that they have some control over how they feel and how they deal with situations. And so that circle of excellence 
that you put, you know, we, we kind of you imagine that circle drawn out on the floor, you step into it and you kind of you anchor that feeling of how it how it feels to be excellent, you know, yeah. to be the best. Um, and then there's a certain amount of anchoring there that I that I said, explain, explain a little bit about what anchoring is and how that can help. See, the circle of excellence that you mentioned, this is an anchoring exercise. And it's all about anchoring a feeling, an emotional state into, into something. With the traditional way of anchoring, we tend to tend to use something, a kinesthetic trigger. So we hold on to something, we step into a circle, we do an action that will then trigger that feeling, that emotional state. In this case, it's confidence, it's excellence, but it also can be calm and collected or it can be excited whatever emotional state we want to be in now with anchoring what's important for us to know is that anchoring happens naturally i mean we can all think of an, an example can't we when when we smelt something and it brought us back the, to i don't know to our childhood let's say i smelt a bakery and it took me back to my grandmother's kitchen or I felt the wind in my hair and it, it took me straight back to a lovely holiday that I had near a beach. Or I had sort of, I, I don't know, I saw something and that created an emotional reaction from me. Or we heard the music and it got us maybe into a very sad state. Or it got us into a very excited, energized and confident state. Yeah. So this, this is anchoring in a natural way. Yeah, so something happens with your senses, a trigger happens that comes in, that information comes in through your senses, and that triggers an emotional response. Now, we know that if it happens naturally, then we can just learn how we do it naturally and reproduce it uh, as and when we would like to. And that's what the NLP anchoring process is all about. It's about finding a memory that we want to work with in this case, being confident, being at our very best, being at our excellence. So find that memory from the past where we really felt that we were at our very, very best. And I want to imagine that we go back in time and we go back to that time and that place. And then we see things through our own eyes, hear with our own ears, hear with our own heart get ourselves into that state, the physiological state of excellence as well. Close our eyes and really feel those feelings. Yeah. So if we recall all those feelings, we are feeding ourselves from the past, from past experiences. And we feel our body, our mind and soul up with the feeling of confidence, being our at our very best and being excellent is something. With the anchoring process, I'm not going to explain it completely how it works, but we anchor it down into either a touch or stepping into a circle or whatever that will be into a piece of music. And we and then we have that anchor with us all the time. And we can take it with us wherever we want it to. So the whole point of an anchoring process is that once we anchor something into that touch, for instance, that's my silver method, confidence, um, anchor i didn't know it was an anchor back then when i said it now i do so every time i can take this with me nobody can take it away from me so when i want to be confident i can just put my three fingers together and i can get myself into that state emotional and mental state of being confident 
Yeah. Of course, it does help if we adjust our posture as well, lift our head up, put a smile on and everything that you do, Jackie, yeah. with, with yeah. your clients as well and get yourself into their physiological state of excellence as well. And the feelings come from from that anchor that you that you put it into. So the great thing about it is that you can take it with you and call it out at will as and when you need it. The more you use it, the stronger it will become. I've been using this for 30 years. You can imagine how strong it is, like a muscle. <laughs> I'd exercise it for 30 years. I think it's pretty strong. So so explain this. So you put your fingers together like this and you automatically get that feeling of confidence? Absolutely. Yes, I do. This, this is something that in Silver Method we use for many different things as well. But this, for me, has become an anchor. And for me, this is my confidence anchor. So yeah. whenever, before I go into a training workshop, or an NIP practitioner training or before I came on here I made sure that I fired up my confidence anchor so I can be at my very best I can be here I can pay attention to you to your question to the audience question I can give you the best version of me at the time yeah. fabulous fabulous well please if there's anybody out there or if you're watching on the replay uh later on before uh, you know after we've we've gone live then please do ask a question in the comments and we'll we'll get back to you so but if you're out there listening now and you've got any questions for vanda or for myself then just put them in the comments and we will answer them we've literally got five minutes left can you believe that <laughs> how did the time go where did I the know, time go i know <laughs> um well neuro-linguistic programming that is nlp it, are there, I mean, obviously the neural pathways and the language we use or you use within NLP, is there anything other than that kind of circle of excellence and the anchoring that can help people if they've, if they're in the habit of, of, you know, every time somebody says to them, right, you need to present today, or we need you to speak to this group of people today. Is there anything within that kind of neural pathway? Because it, those are where the habits are formed, aren't they? And I'm just wondering if if there's any sort of simple techniques to to get rid of those those worn away pathways that we have in our in our brains that that form habits. There are many many different techniques. Some will be simple for some and more complex for others, and some will be a little bit more complex where you need somebody's help, like yourself or myself, an happy practitioner to guide you through it. Um, what what is really important for us to understand is that we all have a brain, and if we have a brain, we have something that we call the neuroplasticity of your brain, which I think I mentioned today already. So that's your brain's ability to rewire itself. You can imagine it like you have different neural pathways running in your brain all the time. And there will be some of those neural pathways which are really well traveled. You trotted them a lot. You've been using them for a long time. And there will be some that you haven't used so much. They are still there but you haven't used them that much. And there will be some that haven't been carved out yet. So what is important about this is that what we shine a light on, where we bring our attention, this is where all our energy will flow. So those are the neural pathways that you are going to use in your brain. So if you want a simple trick, it's not really simple, is it? But because it's all neuroscience, uh, what you want to do is you want to choose where you what, what you're going to shine a light on, where you are going to direct your attention. I think this is the best way to, to take charge of our mind altogether, whether it's about public speaking or whether it's about anything else. It's about choosing what am I going to shine my light on? Am I going to keep repeating all those experiences where people were laughing? 
am I going to keep uh, repeating all those um, things that may be limiting me, a childhood memory when I was doing something silly and everybody responded in a certain way? So I created a limiting belief coming from that. Am I going to keep repeating those stories? Or am I going to rewrite my stories? And I'm, am I going to go and look at the world in a very different way with a different pair of lenses in and say, yes, I may have made some mistakes in the past. Yes, I may have done something wrong or something that didn't quite go the way how I wanted it. But it doesn't mean I failed because there isn't any failure. There is no failure. There is only feedback. We can either succeed or learn one of the presuppositions or guiding principles of NLP. And once we adopt this attitude, attitude of curiosity towards life and understand that we can't fail, we can only just learn and, 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 and succeed or learn and succeed at the same time, then that gives you the very different attitude. You start shining the light, you start using different neural pathways, shine the light on something different. And the more time you spend there, the more you think about possibilities and how your presentation will be the best ever or your keynote speech will be the best ever or that workshop will be the best ever within reasons, obviously. The more you shine light on that, the more you're going to use those parts of your brain. And the more we use it like a muscle, the more we're going to strengthen it. And once we strengthen one side, the other one will have no chance or no other choices but start to shrink. Yeah. So, for instance, what would be what is always a really good exercise when it comes to questioning ourselves or whether we are good enough, whether we know what we are talking about, a bit of imposter thinking. I don't call it imposter syndrome deliberately. It's imposter thinking. What we can do is we can we can go back and we can start reading all the amazing testimonies we got from our clients. Or we can start uh, going through different emails. The best thing to do is to have a, a, a box of amazing stuff that you can come back to and you can just read through. I personally have a drawer here full of different, I don't know if I can pull them out, full of different thank you cards. So whenever my mind plays tricks on me and tells me whether it's about speaking or delivering a workshop or doing a client session, my mind comes and it plays tricks on me and it asks me, oh, are you good enough? Do you actually know what you're talking about? I go back here and I say, well, she says I am. He says I am. And, and, you know, I just go through this. So I give myself a confidence boost. And then I get into that state of physiological excellence use my anchors to get into that state of emotional, psychological and mental excellence. And then I go on. Brilliant. Love that, Vanda. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I mean, those testimonials, thank you cards, all of those things are just such a fantastic way of just reminding ourselves how how brilliant we are, you know, and yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was really, really valuable. We are over our time, but I'm going to ask you very, 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 very quickly. What makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck? You've asked this question before and I don't remember what I answered. <laughs> I, I do believe, apart from, yes, of course, you need to have the skills and you need to have the knowledge to be able to actually deliver uh, uh, your topic and uh, everything as that you are teaching, you know, your physiology, how you appear on stage, how you use your vocal cords, your breathing and all that. I think what is really important is, again, your intention. Is what is what what is it that you would like to get out of this presentation, this speech, whatever that will be? 
What is your outcome? Knowing your outcome will always help you to build yourself up to delivering it. If you don't have an outcome, a very clear outcome of what you would like to have happen, what value are you going to deliver, then you had it. You won't be able to prepare. There won't be anything to prepare for. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, apologies we've gone slightly over time but I think it was well worth it so thank you so much for being here Vanda let me very very quickly show off your website so if anybody wants to find out more about Vanda NLP the silver method anything uh, that we've been talking about today then please go and uh, and find Vanda there uh, again you can find me power to speak .co.uk. So that's where we are. So come and find us if you'd like to talk to us. If you're watching the replay, then leave a comment. Subscribe. That's what I'm trying to do this, this week is get more subscribers, more eyes on these lovely lives with these fantastic people. Thank you so much for being here, Vanda. It's been enlightening. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Oh, thank you, Jackie. And thanks to everybody for, for watching. I'll see you here next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.